You're not in this story. Yeah, well, we're making it up as we go. Hello and welcome to Making It Up As We Go, a Destiel fan fiction anthology podcast. We're making it up as we go. I'm your host and reader, Nerdy Nerdenstein. The story is ours now. We can't have it back. Please be warned that the stories featured can and will contain explicit sexual content and is not intended for young audiences. Hello. Today I'll be reading Window of Opportunity, chapters 3 and 4, by Trisha underscore 16. The rating for this fic is explicit. The pertinent tags for this fic include alternate universe coffee shops and cafes, twink Dean Winchester, geeky Dean, voyeurism, masturbation, mutual masturbation, top Castiel bottom Dean Winchester, panty kink, praise kink, unsafe sex, barebacking, happy ending, openly bisexual Dean Winchester, lifting kink. I'm driving fast now, don't think I know how to go slow. Oh, where you at now? I feel around. There you are. Chapter 3 Dean dresses down as much as he's allowed for work on Thursday, which basically means khakis instead of dress pants. But he just isn't feeling the whole dress-to-impress thing today. He gives Novak the name Han Solo this morning, and Novak says, Star Wars, right? Dean smiles. I think I would have died if you didn't know who that was. I've been forced to watch at least one of those movies, but I couldn't even tell you which one it was. Novak admits. You, you're telling me you've never seen the Star Wars trilogy? He gapes. Aha, trick question, right? Because I'm pretty sure there's more than three. Dean chuckles. Take my word for it, the last three don't count. Although the new one was all right. I heard plenty about that, believe me. I'll see you tomorrow, Winchester. Han Solo, Dean corrects with a grin. So he does still enjoy their interactions, he thinks to himself as he walks to work. He thinks back to what Charlie had said last night when he finally answered her sixth phone call. Maybe he just needs to get to know him better. Charlie had pointed out that Dean thinks Novak and Sam are alike, and there's nobody Dean would rather spend time with than Sam. So if he can get along with Sam, he's got to be able to get along with Novak. And like she said, if all else fails, it's not like it's a bad thing to have another friend. It might actually be nice to have somebody to hit the gym with every once in a while now that Sam's gone. It's those thoughts that ultimately bring him back to the window before he goes to bed Thursday night. Novak's in black and blue plaid pajama pants and a t-shirt that looks like it has some sort of crest on the front of it, but it's hard to tell what it is because the guy's dancing around the living room with a duster. An actual feather duster. He didn't even know people actually used those things, and that thought immediately reminds him of the clothes folding apparatus he saw him using before. Apparently the guy likes weird stuff. 
Novak keeps dancing around the room, wiggling his hips with absolutely no finesse whatsoever. And Dean can't help but smile at the sight. So the guy's graceful as all hell when it comes to his hands and fingers, but his hips are just a rhythmical nightmare. Dean's smile grows the more Novak's moves get wilder and he actually thrusts forward every now and again. He kind of wants to take a video because this shit is hilarious and he'd probably go viral. As Novak dances closer and closer to the window, Dean steps aside, not wanting to risk the chance of Novak catching a glimpse of him staring. Then the crest on his shirt comes into view at the same time the big blue letters on his pants become readable. Ravenclaw. Holy shit, Novak's a Harry Potter fan. And he's a Ravenclaw? Dean quickly flips through the characteristics he knows about Ravenclaw House. Wit, wisdom, creativity, originality, acceptance. Wit and wisdom definitely fit. And creativity, too, he guesses, since the dude has his own business. But like most people, when he thinks about Ravenclaw, he thinks about Luna Lovegood. And there is nothing similar between Luna and Novak. Even as he has that thought, Novak spins in a very uncoordinated twirl, and Dean busts out in laughter. Okay, maybe the private version of Novak is a little like Luna after all, dancing all by himself. As Novak starts using a feather duster as a microphone while he wiggles his hips again, Dean wonders what he has to do to get a glimpse of this silly side of him out in public. It's damn cute. He tears himself away from the window reluctantly, still with a smile on his face and warmth in his chest, and falls asleep that night with a plan to draw the real Novak out of his shell. Friday morning, Dean's ready. He strolls into Cup of Life with a smile already tugging at the corners of his mouth. As soon as he walks through the door, though, it's absolute chaos. Where there's usually a handful of people in line ahead of him, today there's at least a dozen, and the line doesn't seem to be moving as fast as it normally does. Curious, he cranes his neck around the line to see a handwritten sign taped to the Order Here sign above the cash register that says, Cash Only. And now it makes sense. The debit-slash-credit machines must be down. He has plenty of first-hand knowledge about how a faulty system can fuck up a day at work, and he's sure Novak is dealing with more grouchy customers than usual considering how few people actually carry cash these days. He imagines he'd be pretty annoyed if he somehow didn't see the sign, waited in line, then was told he couldn't buy anything unless he had cash. Novak should put a sign on the door, too. Eventually it's his turn, and Novak visibly relaxes when he sees it's him. Guess you're not going to tell me good morning today, huh? Dean asks. Good and morning do not go together today, no. Novak says, already reaching for a muffin out of the display case. Not a lot of time for small talk today. You got a piece of paper back there I can use? Thought it might help to put a sign on the door about the cash-only thing so people can see it before they come in. Novak freezes for a split second before putting the muffin in the bag. That's a great idea, thank you. I have them occasionally, Dean says with a smile. Novak grabs a cup and asks, Name? Lovegood, Dean answers grinning. Novak frowns. That's not a name, he says, but he scribbles it on the cup anyway. I think Luna and Xenophilius might disagree with that. It sounds like you just sneezed, Novak says, taking the cash Dean offers him. Wow, okay, so Novak's really going to pretend he doesn't know anything about Harry Potter. 
It's weird as hell, but not something he can exactly call the guy on, considering he can't tell him he's basically a peeping Tom when it comes to him. Right, Dean finally responds, taking his change and moving down to the end of the counter. Novak grabs a piece of paper and writes cash only on it again, sticks a piece of tape to it and passes it to Dean. If you could pop that on the door on your way out, you'd be my lifesaver. I'm all over it, Dean promises. Thanks, Winchester. Really. Novak's eyes are soft and Dean smiles reassuringly. Anytime. I'll text you tomorrow, Novak says over his shoulder as he returns to the lineup. Dean raises his voice to make sure he can be heard from as far away as he is and says, Hope your day gets better. Novak shoots him a truly breathtaking smile, and Dean walks out of the shop thinking that smile alone is good enough reason to try to get to know the guy better. If he could make him smile that way more often, he's pretty sure it wouldn't matter how little they have in common. He's so gorgeous when he smiles like that, he could care less if they ever came up for enough air to actually talk. Friday night is spent playing mini golf with Joe and Charlie and losing spectacularly to both of them, but only because he's so good they challenged him to play left-handed. He thought he might still be able to offer a decent challenge this way, but it turns out he really overestimated himself. It's okay, though, because all three of them laugh so hard at his terrible shots that it's totally worth it. Plus, now he gets to pick their brains about Novak. I think that's super sketchy, Charlie says, immediately putting Dean's back up. It's weird, but it's not sketchy. Come on, you've never pretended to be ignorant of something to try to look cooler? Dean asks. She pins him with a look full of amusement, which is all the more effective considering the green pixelated Minecraft dress she's wearing to play mini-golf. Does that really look like something I'd do? Dean snorts. <laughs> no, not at all. How about you, Joe? I've done the opposite, Joe admits. Pretended to know more about something than I actually do to try to look better, but the other way around? I don't see how pretending to be dumb would ever make somebody look better. Unless he's going for bimbo, Charlie says. Dean shakes his head. No, I don't think so. If he is, he sucks at it, because he still comes across as stupidly smart. And that wouldn't work on you anyway, Joe offers. Nope. He doesn't know that, though, Charlie says. He's only ever seen you in your fancy work clothes, all dressed to the nines with that pretty face of yours. He's never seen your inner dork like we have. I prefer nerd, thank you very much, Dean says, mostly teasing. And I'm not that nerdy. Dude. Harry Potter, Star Wars, comic books, cosplaying? Charlie lists. Okay, okay, okay. So what are you saying about Novak? I'm saying that you need to show him how nerdy you really are. Well, that's kind of what I was going for with the love good thing, and he just played stupid. Joe fails to hide a snort of laughter. What's so funny, Blondie? Since when do you give up after one shot? Dean grins. She's right. He's more stubborn than that. Okay, you've got a point. How do you think I show off my inner nerd at the gym, though? Not exactly the ideal environment for nerds. No, you're right. He'll probably think you're even more douchey after seeing the way you peacock at the gym. 
Joe says. Fuck off, Dean says lightly, causing Joe to stick her tongue out in reply. Seriously, though, you should try not to do that, Charlie agrees. It's a huge turnoff, but back to being nerdy instead of douchey. What if you wear one of your Harry Potter shirts? And you still have those Gryffindor boxers, right? The band would probably show while you're working out, Joe adds. But if he already pretended not to know Harry Potter, do you think it'll work? He asks. Worth a shot, Joe says. And honestly, I know I said it was worth trying to get to know him if you think he's oh so dreamy. But if he's going to lie to you again after you reveal your inner nerd, I think you should probably move on. Joe nods her agreement. I think so too. If he's going to lie about Harry Potter of all things, who knows what else he'd be willing to lie about. That's what Dean keeps circling back to once he's back home that night. When he checks the window before he goes to bed, Novak's either not home or already in bed because the lights are all out. The next morning, Dean wakes up and stumbles directly to the Keurig as usual. With cup in hand, he walks back to the window and has to blink the sleep out of his eyes. He must still be dreaming. He gives his head a shake, drinks a few more mouthfuls of coffee, but no, this is actually happening. Novak is standing in the middle of his living room in a full pirate costume. Black pants, big boots, some kind of blouse-type shirt thing, a red scarf around his waist and a pirate hat in his hands complete with feather, which is what the little orange fluffball is currently batting at. He watches while Novak indulges the kitten for a few minutes before he puts the hat on his head and walks out of his apartment like it's totally normal to be wearing a pirate costume at 9 o'clock on a Saturday morning. A half hour later, Dean's finished his two cups of coffee and is showered and dressed. It's dumb to shower just to go to the gym, but he never feels like he's totally awake until he showers, so he does it anyway. He's glad, because there's a text waiting for him when he gets out of the shower. Are you free to head to the gym this morning? Yeah, I'm good to go when you are. Meet you there in 20 minutes. I'll wait for you at the front doors. See you then. So, dressed in his Deathly Hallows t-shirt red athletic shorts and his duffel thrown over his shoulder with a change of clothes inside. He leaves for the gym to meet up with Novak. As he pulls into the parking lot, he can already see Novak waiting by the door as promised. So he gets out and walks over to meet him. Novak's wearing a black pair of the same kind of shorts Dean's currently in, and an orange shirt with mesh down the sides. Nobody should look that good in orange, but Novak pulls it off. Maybe partly because his biceps are on full display due to the cut of the sleeves. Hey, Dean greets him, struggling not to openly ogle the dude. Hi, he responds. Heard you coming from a block away. Dean grins. Purrs like a big old cat, doesn't she? If you say so, Novak answers with a bit of a laugh. I will say she has a commanding presence on the road. I'll take it. Dean says, walking through the door Novak opens for him. Dean follows him to the reception desk, where Novak very carefully hands his membership card over to sign Dean in as his guest. Can I get your first and last name? The teenage girl asks him. Uh, D 
Dean says, flicking his eyes over to Novak. Yeah, Winchester, first and last name, Novak says with a grin. Dean rolls his eyes at him and leans on the counter conspiratorially towards the girl. He turns on the charm in the form of looking up shyly at her through his eyelashes and biting down on his bottom lip for a second before he speaks. We kind of have a competition going where we're not using first names. Can I just whisper it to you so he doesn't hear? The girl flushes deeply right to the tips of her ears, but leans in so he can whisper to her, then backs away slowly with a nod once he does. He gives her a little wink and says, Thanks, sweetheart. When he backs away, Novak is shaking his head at him with a fond look on his face. As they move away from the girl, he says, You enjoyed that, didn't you? What? Dean asks, feigning innocence. Flirting with that poor girl to get what you wanted. First of all, I take offense to poor girl. Like she wouldn't have liked it if I was flirting with her. Okay, that's not what I meant. I just meant poor girl because she doesn't have a shot with you. She didn't know that. But I know because you said you're into guys. Novak says, hence, poor girl. Actually, I swing both ways. Dean says, the response familiar on his lips from the amount of times he's had to explain it. Though under 21 is a hard no for me, no matter which parts they have. Novak laughs. Well, it's nice to know you do have limits. I wasn't really flirting with her anyway, just charming her. He explains, not wanting him to think he'd actually try to flirt with somebody else while out with him. You're not that charming with me. Novak comments, holding the door to the change room open for him. Yeah, well, she isn't as hot as you are. Dean says in a teasing tone of voice, though that's exactly why. And all this time I thought you were just here for the free gym pass. Novak teases him back. Nah, at least half of it is your pretty face. Novak laughs while he searches for an empty locker. Finding one, they both toss their bags inside and Novak locks up before he leads the way to the workout room. Novak goes over to a spin bike while Dean goes over to one of the free cable bicep bars. He sets it up for an easy start and gets to work. He increases the weight as he goes and once he gets to where he's most comfortable without pushing himself too hard, he starts counting off his reps in his head. His eyes wander as he counts and he feels like his mouth turns to dust when they fall onto Novak on the spin bike. How the fuck did he never notice how thick the dude's thighs are? The strong cords of muscles are bad enough as it is, but he keeps rising up into a squat over the seat and then lowering himself back down slowly before starting all over again, and Dean's mind takes a flying leap into the gutter. As if that's not more than enough already, Novak's arms are straining to hold his upper body up on the handlebars, his muscles flexed more than Dean's ever seen them at the coffee shop, and he literally cannot tear his eyes away from him. He's all too aware of the blood rushing to pool between his legs in the exact moment that his dick starts to chub up, and there's no damn way he can let that happen at the fucking gym while he's wearing thin little athletic shorts that aren't going to hide a damn thing. He closes his eyes, fighting the image of just how good Novak might look rising up and falling down on top of him instead of that bike and turns his head away while he can. Paying more attention to the machine now instead of the borderline pornographic sight in front of him, he goes back to counting reps. Twenty minutes later, he switches to work on his triceps instead of his biceps, and his eyes fall on Novak also switching machines. 
He catches his eye and they exchange a smile while Novak shoots him a thumbs up for his own workout. With Charlie and Joe's reminders about not peacocking still fresh in his mind, he's able to resist the urge to show off. Not that he thinks it would have much of an effect on a guy like Novak, but there's nothing wrong with wanting to highlight his attributes to somebody as hot as he is. Dean's mind then completely fizzles out as Novak climbs onto a rowing machine. He gets himself settled in, and then Dean can't entirely hold in a soft strangled sound when he gets an eyeful of Novak's arms and legs working in tandem. And those fucking shoulders. Dean wants to wrap his legs around them with his fingers buried in that dark hair of his yesterday. Those pink lips would look so incredible, stuffed full of... Jesus fucking Christ, he's about to go full wood at the goddamn gym. This was a terrible mistake. Thinking desperately of Sam, his go-to boner kill, he immediately feels things start to settle down and mentally praises his brother for his existence. Kid's gotten him through some tough spots in life, he thinks to himself with a chuckle. So he can't look at Novak. It's just impossible to watch the power and strength this guy possesses without sending Dean into needy bottom mode and that's not the impression he should be making in the middle of a public gym. He makes a silent deal with himself to only look at him for ten seconds at a time. That way, if he starts to feel things going south, literally, he should be able to look away fast enough to get himself back under control. And that seems to work. He and Novak exchange smiles and have a few silent conversations between them about people around them. One girl, who's making chugging sounds like a train on the treadmill, who gets poorly muffled laughter from the both of them, and one who's obviously using the excuse of learning how to work out to monopolize the time of one of the workers who gets an eye roll from Dean. And he feels like he's actually enjoying himself. It's kind of like working out with Sam, other than the whole reoccurring boner problem. Everything's going just peachy until he feels a broad hand on his shoulder and looks over to see Novak standing there. His hair is damp with sweat, his face is shining with it and red with exertion, and a stray drop slowly slides down his temple and over his cheek. Dean's eyes track the movement greedily, unable to stop himself from thinking about how he would kiss the saltiness away if he was sweating under any other circumstances. When Novak's voice brings him back to himself, Since I usually come alone, I can almost never do this, but can you spot me on the bench press? And there goes that traitorous mind of his again. Novak flat on his back with his legs spread, arms straining and muscles rippling while he proves just how strong he is. We can take turns switching if you want. He very nearly embarrasses himself with another whimper at the word switching, but he clears his throat instead and nods. Yeah, I can spot you. What else is he going to say? Sorry, man, my dick's 16 all over again and I don't know how to watch you without getting a stiffy. Then he practically has to scrape his jaw off the floor when he sees Novak set the weight for 150 pounds. Are you serious? Dean asks. Novak lifts an eyebrow. Most men can press at least their own body weight, don't you? Uh, no, Dean says honestly. This is more Sammy's kind of thing than mine. Novak gives him an assessing look. Can you lift it off of me if I drop it? Dean snorts, trying not to look insulted, that he even has to ask. Yes, probably. You look like you can, don't get me wrong, but it would be incredibly stupid of me to wait to ask until it was too late, he says, getting into position on the bench. Fair enough, Dean responds. You want a liftoff? 
Not with this. Maybe when I add more, he says. How many reps are you going for? Let's start with eight. Novak answers. Dean nods and watches carefully as Novak's fingers take position on the bar. Dean damn near swoons when he lifts it like it's light as a feather. Shit. He's sweating for an entirely new reason now. Let's add another twenty. Novak prompts once the bar is back in place. Dean swallows thickly while he adds one weight onto each side and secures the pins. He tries and fails not to think about how Novak's basically bench-pressing his entire body weight. Reps? Dean asks, his voice remarkably steady considering the swooping feeling in his stomach. Five. Novak responds. No liftoff. Novak's nimble fingers grip the bar and holy mother of shit, there he goes again. There's a bit more of a struggle this time, but his form holds strong and he counts off his own reps even as he breathes heavier, probably so Dean knows he's pushing himself but not struggling. He lifts the bar back onto the rack when he's done and Dean can't help but gushing. Holy shit, you're lifting that like it's nothing, man. I'm gonna need a fan to cool off in a minute, he says, which makes Novak beam. I used to be able to get up to over 200 pounds, but I don't do it all that frequently anymore. Well, if you were looking to impress, you definitely hit your mark. Wow. Just a fun side benefit, he responds with a grin, pushing up to sitting. You play any sports? He asks suddenly. Dean lifts a shoulder. Nothing competitively. I signed us up for a squash court in ten minutes. Do you want to play for a bit? I've only ever messed around with my brother in there, but I can give it a shot, Dean says. Let's grab a water bottle first, and then I'll lead the way. Novak says. As he stands up, he lifts the hem of his shirt to wipe his sweaty face, and Dean catches a glimpse of rock-hard abs that he knows is going to be seared into his brain for the foreseeable future. Miraculously, he doesn't trip over his own two feet. They take a seat on the bench near a chest full of water bottles and spend a few minutes just drinking and resting in comfortable silence. Novak breaks it with, Got any other plans this weekend? Nothing concrete, but I'm sure Joe and Charlie will be over to make sure I'm not drowning in loneliness now that Sam's gone. Friends of yours? He asks. Yeah, grew up with Joe and met Charlie in the pride group in high school. That's nice. I think it's great how easy you are with being out, he comments. Not everybody feels like that. I've been lucky with how many supportive people I have in my life. Charlie, specifically, wasn't ever going to let me sit on the sidelines when she knew how I felt. It was almost easier being myself around her because she couldn't rein in the gay if she wanted to, he said with a smile. So if I was to meet Charlie, you'd act differently around her? Nah, not so much anymore. Conversations would be nerdier, though. Nerdier? This is the perfect opportunity to see what he can get out of him. He couldn't have steered the conversation better if he was trying. Yeah, I'm a small-time nerd compared to her, but still pretty big. You're a big nerd. Is it really that hard to believe? Look at me, Dean says, gesturing to his shirt. I assumed that was a brand or something. Is it something nerdy? What the fuck? Come on, man, you gotta know what this is, he tries. I'm afraid I'm about to disappoint you again, Novak answers. From Harry Potter, he prompts. Novak's eyes light up with understanding. You really are a nerd if you love Harry Potter. 
and Star Wars and Minecraft and Dungeons and Dragons, and I even cosplay every now and again thanks to Charlie. Cosplay? Yeah, you know, dress up in costume and pretend to be someone else. Novak frowns. Why would you do that? Dean has to bite his tongue from saying, I don't know, why were you wearing a pirate costume this morning? For fun. I wouldn't know how to be a proper handmaiden if it wasn't for cosplay. Novak nods and makes a sound of agreement, but takes a drink from his water bottle instead of commenting. Dean has to press the issue. You ever do anything like that? Like all the nerdy stuff you just said or cosplaying? Any, Dean says, desperate for a bone. I guess the nerdiest thing I do is read, he offers. Sadly, not in costume, he adds with a grin, getting to his feet. Yeah? What's the last good book you read? Dean asks as he also rises and follows Novak out of the room and down a hallway. Maybe he'll finally figure out what book he was reading last week that made him cry. Man, it's been a while. Maybe Before the Fall by Noah Hawley? He wanders aloud. Never heard of it. It's kind of like Lost, but without all the hokey stuff, he explains. Dean takes hokey stuff to mean the part he liked best about Lost, a.k.a. the science fiction stuff. He pushes down another wave of disappointment. What about you? Do you read often? Almost every day. What are you reading right now? Novak asks. I swear I'm not a fanatic or anything, but I'm rereading Harry Potter. With my brother gone and everything, it felt kind of comforting to read something I know was familiar. He says, I don't mean this to come out the wrong way, but aren't Harry Potter children's books? That wave of disappointment is impossible to push down, and he's sure it shows on his face. He has to actively work at softening his voice when he responds so he doesn't snap at the guy. No, man, not even a little bit. It starts off being about kids, sure, but the vocabulary and most of the themes covered in the books aren't kid-like at all. It's about magic, is it not? Novak presses. Sure, in the same way that Little Women is about a bunch of chicks, Dean says flippantly. What's it about, then? Loss, prejudice, classism, war, love, friendship, courage, good versus evil, death. Honestly, it's pretty heavy shit by book seven, he explains. Novak's face has morphed from a look of skepticism to a look of acceptance by the time Dean's finished talking, and he nods his head and grabs two rackets off the wall in a squash ball, then opens the door to the court. Maybe I'll start in on book one someday, Novak offers, which would probably go a long way making Dean feel better about the guy, if he didn't know he was wearing Ravenclaw pajamas last night. If you do, I'd love to know what house you'd think you'd be sorted into, he prompts. I'm assuming that would make sense if I read the books, Novak says. I'm guessing Ravenclaw for the record, watching his face closely for any tells of a lie. I'm sure I'll remember that. But Novak says it in a tone of voice that lets Dean know he most certainly will not remember it at all, and as far as Dean's concerned, that pretty much clinches it for him. No matter how hot Novak is, there's just no way he can date somebody who can lie right to his face like that. So they play their game of squash, which Dean loses almost as badly as he did at mini-golf last night. And once they shower and walk out together, Dean gives him a two-fingered wave and climbs into his pride and joy without trying for anything more. Instead of going home like he originally planned, he pulls into his favorite diner and takes a seat at his regular booth, 
he accepts the coffee a familiar waitress brings to him and sends a group text to both Charlie and Joe to let him know where he is if they want to meet up. And he feels marginally better after stuffing his face with pie and hearing his two best friends telling him he deserves somebody better than Novak anyway. They spend the afternoon back at his place taking turns picking shows to watch on Netflix. They order Chinese in for dinner, and the girls don't even bother trying to talk him out of drowning his sorrows in a six-pack of beer. By the time they leave, it's after 11, and he's more than a little buzzed. He walks his friends to the door, locks it, and turns off the lights. He left his phone on the coffee table, so he wanders over to grab it, and his gaze is drawn to the building across from him, as it so often is now. With a fuzzy head, he feels himself pulled towards the window. It's almost entirely dark in Novak's living room, which isn't exactly surprising considering what time it is. The room is only illuminated by the light coming off of a laptop sitting in front of Novak, and so it takes longer than it should for him to realize that the slight glow on his legs is because they're bare. Then, with stunning clarity, it's suddenly obvious what Novak's hand is doing moving up and down on his lap. Holy fucking shit. The hottest guy he's ever seen in real life is jerking off where he can see him. And Dean's cock goes from zero to a hundred faster than should even be possible. He swallows thickly and tries to make his brain think clear thoughts. Somewhere deep, deep down, he's aware that this is crossing a line. A really big, pervy line that can never be uncrossed. But before the thought has even sunk in, his hand is rubbing his erection over his jeans. Just like that... All of the arousal he'd been trying to fight back earlier at the gym comes roaring to the surface, and any worries he might have had about crossing the pervy line are eclipsed by the pleasure he's already feeling. His mind jumps on board as easily as his dick, and it eagerly supplies him with vivid memories of Novak in the gym. Those goddamn thighs, the way he was rising up and down on that spin bike, the flex and release of his broad shoulders paired with the roll of his leg muscles on the rowing machine. How good he looked flat on his back with his legs spread wide on the bench press. The quite frankly pornographic grunts and groans he made while slamming the squash ball against the wall over and over. Dean's cock is pressing hard against the zipper of his jeans now. And without thinking about anything other than relieving some of the pressure, he unzips and pulls his hard length out of his pants. The cool air on his flushed cock already feels phenomenal, and distantly he realizes he's about to jerk off in front of a window where anybody might see, and his cock jumps with forbidden excitement in his hand. God, he wishes he could see better. He wishes he could see how long and thick Novak's cock is, if it's flushed a deep red or dripping, just so he could know how close he is. Instead, he lets his imagination run wild about all the different ways Novak might be pleasuring himself right now. Watching raptly, he imagines that when Novak's pace slows, he's doing it purposely, trying to make it last longer and longer so he comes harder at the end. When his strokes lengthen, he thinks about how he might be circling his cockhead with his palm on the upstroke and mimics the movement on his own cock, feeling the dampness of his arousal on his fingers and releasing a shuddering sigh. He thinks about the sexy sounds Novak might let loose since he's alone in the house and how low and rough his voice might be the closer he gets to the finish line. Novak's other hand dips between his legs, 
and Dean lets out another needy sound when he thinks about how his balls would roll heavily in Dean's hand, and how if he tugged on them just the right way, Novak would get a delicious thrill of pleasure and pain. He might get a gasp of pleasure out of him. Novak might buck forward and force his cock more forcefully through his hand. Dean continues to stroke himself purposefully, already groaning from the dry friction and just how fucking hard he is. He watches Novak closely as he subconsciously matches the pace of his hand to Novak's, pretending it's his skillful fingers wrapped around him instead. Fuck, that's good. He spits into his hand, not nearly as good as lube, but good enough for now, and lets out a stuttering breath at the slightly slicker slide of his fist. His mind bounces back and forth between watching Novak as he starts to fuck forward into his fist and back to the gym. He knows exactly how Novak looks all sweaty flat on his back, and he imagines what it would feel like to climb on top of him and sink down fast and hard on the cock he's stroking right now. He remembers the way Novak sounds when his breaths are coming out in pants, and imagines he can't catch his breath because he's riding him so well. He imagines Novak's hips are thrusting his cock up and into him instead of up and into his fist, and he closes his eyes to remember the way he felt when he realized Novak could bench press his weight. He thinks about how easily it would be for a guy that strong to throw him around, how Novak could flip him over like he weighs nothing, until he was pounding into him so hard all Dean would be able to do is hold on for dear life. He stumbles when he lifts one leg up onto the window ledge, but steadies himself with a hand on the sill. Now able to maintain his balance, he sucks two fingers into his mouth before he slides one behind him to tease his hole as he continues fucking into the tunnel of his fist. He gathers the beating pre-cum on the tip and spreads it around to slick in his hand, watching Novak needily and wishing he thought to ask him for a quick fuck tonight instead of getting pissy about him lying to him. He'd let him lie about anything right now if he'd bend him over and fuck him hard and deep the way he needs so badly. Fuck, it's been way too long. His hole is aching to be filled, and if he wasn't so desperate to keep watching Novak, he'd be working a dildo into himself right now, pretending it was him. His arousal increases drastically just thinking about it, and he can feel his impending orgasm beginning to make itself known. Maybe he'll still ask him. Maybe he could just text him tomorrow, want to fuck? And Novak would come right over. His eyes slip closed when he thinks about how he'd knock on the door. And as soon as Dean opened it, Novak would push him back against the wall and capture his mouth in a needy kiss. He'd finally feel those full pink lips on his, and he'd be able to feel Novak's cock pressing hard and fucking huge against him. He'd be pinned against the wall by a line of hard muscle, and he presses his knuckle against his hole just to feel the pressure there as he thinks about it. Wanting to get another glimpse of that body he's fantasizing about, he opens his eyes just in time to see Novak turn his head away, his hand flying over his dick before his hips shoot up and his body stills, and Dean knows he's just fucking exploded all over himself. Thinking about Novak painting that chiseled stomach of his with cum has Dean tensing up too, and all at once he comes hard and thick over his hand, and fuck onto the window in front of him. He can't tear his eyes off the filthy way his spunk slides down the glass as his chest heaves, trying to take in enough air, still wishing desperately he could have had something inside of him to grind down on to ride out the rest of his orgasm. Son of a bitch. 
He sees Novak cleaning himself up and stumbles into the kitchen with his head spinning to grab some paper towels to do the same thing to himself in the window. Leaving the soiled paper towels in a heap beside his pants on the floor, he walks to his bedroom on wobbly legs and collapses face first onto his bed, promptly passing out half-naked with thoughts of Novak still ghosting in his brain. Chapter 4 Dean sleeps later than he usually would on a Sunday, but after waking up at nine with a headache, it was easy to convince himself to stay in bed and sleep it off. The first thing he notices when he gets out of bed is that he's weirdly half-naked, the bottom instead of the top, and after sliding into sweatpants, he walks into the living room. He sees his jeans and a pile of paper towels on the floor in front of the window, and his stomach rolls when flashes of exactly what he did last night come back to him. Fuck. What the hell is the matter with him? He violated Novak's privacy in the worst possible way, and even worse than that, he got off on it like some kind of sick perv. Fuck, fuck, fuck. He's disgusting. He's so ashamed of himself and embarrassed by his own behavior, he doesn't even want to go over to that window again. He needs to buy some blinds or something because he obviously has no self-control. He walks over to the now-forbidden window to clean up the mess he left from last night and notices a sticky film on the window that can only mean one thing when he puts two and two together in his mind. Fuck. His drunken ass did not do a great job of cleaning up and it's with further disgust and shame that he goes to grab a bottle of Windex to clean his own jizz off of a fucking window like the sick fuck that he is. He's never going to be able to look at Novak in the face again. Movement catches his eye through the window, and he resolutely decides he's not going to look. He did enough damage as it is last night, and Novak does not deserve his privacy violated any further. Unfortunately... The first moment his brain takes a break from telling himself no on repeat, his eyes flick up and he gets a glimpse of Novak on the couch. Painting his nails? Yeah, that's definitely a blue or black nail polish and he's definitely painting his fingernails. He tears his eyes away, disgusted with himself all over again. What the hell is the matter with him? He's going to have to buy some paint of his own and paint the damn window black or something because he apparently can't not look. This isn't normal. There's something not right with him. He's sure of it. Once his mess is cleaned up, he eats a couple of pieces of toast and drowns himself in coffee, then almost scrubs himself raw in the shower, hoping he can wipe away the shame he's still feeling weighing him down like an anchor. He pops a couple of painkillers to help with the headache that's still a persistent throbbing behind his eyes. And since he doesn't want to stay at home any more than he has to, with no destination in mind, he gets behind the wheel of his car, blasts the music, and drives. He drives around the outskirts of town, just losing himself in the familiar comforts of his baby. A few hours later, he pulls into the parking lot of some diner he's never been to before and pulls out his phone to call Sam. Nothing makes him miss his brother more than the empty passenger seat that should be filled by him. 
They talk for almost an hour, and once he hangs up, feeling better than he has since he woke up, he goes into the diner and orders himself some lunch. Nothing like a greasy burger to make him feel like himself again. He knows he should do groceries today, but he just isn't up to it. He also isn't ready to go home just yet, so he drives over to Charlie's and spends the afternoon with her. Once he heads home for the day, he busies himself with making lunch for tomorrow, doing laundry, and resisting the urge to look out the window. He debates long and hard Monday morning about whether or not he should stop in at Cup of Life, not knowing if he can handle looking Novak in the face after the unfortunate incident, as he's come to think of it in his mind. He finally decides that it would look weird to Novak if they hung out on the weekend and then he didn't stop by today. So not wanting to make the situation more awkward than it already is, he mans up and pulls open the door of Cup of Life with his shoulders squared and his head held high. He can't help the blush that stains his cheeks, but hopefully Novak doesn't mention it. Morning, Winchester, Novak says with a warm smile. You seem like you're in a good mood for a Monday, Dean comments. I'm all recharged after a great weekend, he explains, and I have a surprise for you. That sounds promising. What is it? Dean asks eagerly, all previous thoughts of embarrassment gone. Your favorite food is pie, right? Novak asks, and Dean nods, more intrigued than ever. I don't have actual pie, but I figured turnovers are basically the morning equivalent of pie, right? You have turnovers? Dean asks, immediately looking down to the glass case. There's a spot with a sign and a new sticker on it, but they're all gone. You had turnovers, he corrects with a pout. Perks of being friends with the owner, Novak says with a wink, producing a little styrofoam container. Dean's eyes light up even as something softens inside of him. You saved one for me? I might have. He teases. Damn, that's actually really sweet. If you're interested. I'm so interested I'm going to need to wipe up the drool here in a minute, Dean says seriously, causing Novak to laugh. Since you were the inspiration behind me asking the baker to make them for the first time, and they all but flew off the shelf, this one's on the house, Novak says. So it's just $2 for your coffee today. This is the best Monday ever. Dean says excitedly, dipping his hand in his pocket for his change. And who are you today? Oh, right, Dean says, giving up on the change and grabbing his wallet instead. Ford. As in Harrison Ford? Novak asks, writing the name on his cup. Dean beams at him, and Novak returns his smile just as big. You finally know one. In my defense, I knew Batman, too, Novak reminds him, which makes Dean snicker. Everybody knows Batman. He holds his bills out to him and notices his fingernails are bare. Why the hell would he paint his nails on a Sunday just to take the nail polish off for work the next day? Probably the same reason why he pretends not to be as nerdy as he is. His smile drops into a frown at the reminder and he accepts the little container from him. He thinks him just the same. Thanks, man. Let me know what you think, Novak says. Have a good day, Winchester. It turns out he actually does have a pretty good day for a Monday, which definitely had something to do with the Apple turnover he started his day off with. It was like heaven. 
He texts Novak to thank him again and starts plotting to get him to save him a fresh one out of the oven so he can eat it still warm the next time. After work, he stops at home briefly to change into jeans and his most comfortable Led Zeppelin tee, then heads right back out towards the grocery store. He tries not to think about how since Joe and Charlie went with him last week, that this is the first time he's done groceries on his own. Possibly ever. Sam always insisted he go with him because they don't eat the same kinds of food. He grabs himself a basket and starts going through the produce, searching for the few vegetables he eats without complaint. Then he goes through the aisles one by one. He's just started down the aisle with the cleaning products when he realizes he didn't grab spaghetti sauce down the aisle before this one, so he turns back to get it when his phone goes off with a message. Thinking it might be Novak finally answering him, he digs it out of his pocket as he rounds the end of the aisle and glances down to see the message is actually from Charlie. And since he's no longer watching where he's going, he inadvertently walks straight into somebody else and gets knocked flat on his ass. The contents of his basket spill out onto the floor and he groans at the pain radiating through his hip that lets him know he's going to have one hell of a bruise there. The dude he crashed into is already scrambling around to gather up the stuff that fell out of Dean's basket, and he takes in his familiar form with amusement. Novak catches him looking, and Dean grins at how messed up his hair is right now. He's never seen it so crazy except through the window, and it's a damn good look on him. Please accept my apologies, Novak says, looking over at him while he attempts to put a box of cereal back into his basket for him which he somehow manages to miss entirely before he gets it on the second try. Maybe he's a little shaken up, too. He certainly looks a little flushed. I, I wasn't entirely focused on the task at hand, and I'm afraid I couldn't stop you in time, Novak says, offering a more formal apology than he would have expected. Don't worry about it, man. I was the one looking at my phone like an idiot. Dean explains, getting to his feet with a wince. Are you injured? Novak says, dragging his eyes up and down as if needing visual confirmation for himself. Then his cheeks turn an adorable shade of pink Dean's never seen on him before, and he waves away the pain so he doesn't embarrass him anymore. I'm definitely going to have a bruise, but I'll live. You okay? You took the hit like a fucking boss, Dean says, chuckling a little. And that's when he notices Novak is wearing a shirt with tiny porgs all over it. Guess you liked the last Star Wars movie all right after all, huh? He asks before he could think better of it, gesturing to his shirt. Novak straightens up and awkwardly passes Dean his refilled basket, standing much closer to him than he ever has before. It wasn't nearly as good as The Empire Strikes Back, but realms better than episodes one to three, he agrees. Dean blinks at him in surprise and tries to swallow down the thickness in the air all of a sudden. Apparently jerking off to the guy really increased the sexual tension between them because he feels himself pulled in like a magnet. He mentally gives his head a shake and tries to keep his thoughts aimed in the appropriate direction. So what, you can only be nerdy when you're not at work? I'm sorry, Novak asks, his head cocked to the side like the world's most adorably confused bird. Come on, man, the shirt... I just had you write Han Solo on my coffee cup less than a week ago and you acted like you knew nothing about Star Wars. Dean reminds him, carefully leaving out all the other geeky things he's seen him doing. 
Understanding dawns on Novak's face, and he smiles shyly. He's never seen Novak look shy before in his life. Maybe he's high or something. My apologies again, but I believe you have me confused with my brother Jimmy. Jimmy? Dean echoes. Jimmy Novak, owner of Cup of Life? The guy prompts. I'm Castiel. Dean takes a couple of stumbling steps back as his eyes go wide as saucers. What? Novak, no, Castiel, apparently, smiles reassuringly. I'm Jimmy's twin, Castiel, he says again. He is a twin, Dean repeats. He's really sounding like an idiot here, but he can't seem to make sense out of this. Yes, and Jimmy really doesn't know anything about Star Wars, other than what he's absorbed from listening to me ramble on about it our whole lives. What the actual hell? This whole time, he's been pissed and irritated that Novak at the coffee shop and Novak in the building across from him have seemed like two totally different people. And that's because they actually were? He takes in Castiel's body and tries to find any physical differences between him and Jimmy other than the hair. His shoulders are just as broad, and it looks like the rest of him is in really good shape the same as Jimmy. His hair's longer and artfully tousled, though, and his eyes drift down further. That's when he notices his fingernails are painted. Your nails, he says stupidly. Castiel looks down at them. Um, yes, not something Jimmy does. He's still mildly horrified that I'd do it after all these years, to be entirely truthful with you. He says, his lips quirking. What Hogwarts house are you in? Dean asks, still needing further proof this isn't some kind of joke or something. Castiel's eyebrows draw together in confusion over the seemingly random question, but he replies, Ravenclaw, why? Holy shit. Dean curses under his breath, finally accepting that this actually happened to him. Are you quite certain you're all right? Castiel asks, stepping right into his personal space again like he belongs there. You look considerably more shocked than most people are when they first learn Jimmy and I are twins. Sorry, yeah, I'm okay. It's just, uh, Jimmy and I have gone out a couple of times and he never mentioned he had a twin. Dean tries to explain. This time it's Castiel who looks shocked. You and Jimmy went out? On a date? Um, well, I think so. I mean, he never really said. But he bought me lunch, we exchanged numbers, and we hit the gym together. Castiel's face goes a little pink and he looks at the floor for several seconds before he says, I'm sorry to be the one to tell you this, but unless Jimmy's changed his sexual preferences since I spoke to him last night, my brother's entirely straight. What? Dean asks again. Castiel looks up at him with a softness in those big blue eyes of his, and it's the apology written all over his face that lets him know the guy's telling him the truth. I'm terribly sorry for the misunderstanding. I'm sure he didn't mean to give you that impression. No, no, I mean, it's embarrassing, but as hot as he is... This time, it's Dean's turn to blush as he realizes he just basically admitted to thinking Castiel is hot, too. 
we uh, didn't have anything in common, so it probably wasn't going to work out anyway. Then he remembers what Castiel just said and corrects himself again. I mean, I guess it really wasn't going to work out if he isn't into dudes. Fuck, this is embarrassing, he admits again. I understand completely. Usually I'm the one embarrassing myself in front of men I find attractive, so this is a pleasant change of perspective for me. He says. Then his eyes go comically wide and he stutters. Not that I think you're attractive. He actually winces and drags a hand through that crazy hair of his while he says, Wait, no, that's not what I meant. I do, obviously, look at you. Another wince. But, but what I meant is that I didn't mean to imply that you thought I was attractive. I understand that while Jimmy and I are identical twins, our styles and personalities are quite different. Dean can't stop smiling now, because if he thought Jimmy was cute, this stumbling, awkward, messy-haired version of the same face and body is about a hundred times cuter, and he can't resist lifting his hand to rub reassuringly just above his elbow. The second skin meets skin, Dean feels sparks flare between them, and he mentally pumps his fist in the air. Maybe life can be a rom-com. Turns out I'm more into the whole messy hair, porg shirt-wearing version of the guy I thought was so hot anyway. Dean says, grinning at the way Castiel seems suddenly very interested in looking at everything but his face. You don't... you don't have to say that. Castiel says, now staring at the ground. I'm well aware of how many people get along with Jimmy better than me. I didn't have much in common with Jimmy, remember? And it's not like I knew there was another option out there who actually knows what a porg is. Castiel smiles softly and Dean speaks again without thinking. I know this is all kinds of fucked up considering I thought I was dating your brother up until two minutes ago, but could I get your number? I'd really like to get to know a guy who likes Star Wars and looks like you do a lot better. Castiel chews on that full bottom lip of his for a few seconds, before he raises his eyes slowly to lock onto Dean's. Dean licks his lips as he feels those sparks light up between them again, and judging by the way Castiel's eyes darken, he knows there's no damned way Castiel isn't feeling the same way between them as he is. Please, Castiel. Dean asks again, his voice softer this time. This is a very strange situation, he says, clearly wavering. Jimmy and I never had to deal with dating the same people before, considering our preferences. But I feel like I should speak to him about it first. He has your number, correct? Yeah, but not my name. Castiel frowns, but he waves it away. Weird thing we had going on, don't worry about it. I'm Dean, but he knows me by my last name, Winchester. Castiel nods weakly and takes a step back for the first time. Dean misses their closeness immediately. All right, Dean. I'll talk to Jimmy, and then hopefully I'll speak with you again. Hopefully, huh? Dean teases, shooting him one of his most charming smiles. Castiel blows out a heavy breath, raking his eyes over his body slowly before he says, Yes, hopefully. Nice to meet you, Dean. Glad I bumped into you, Dean jokes, and he's rewarded with his first real smile from Castiel, which includes the same nose crinkles Jimmy had that he thought were so cute. 
Dean watches Castiel as he walks away with his posture so much straighter than Jimmy's it's almost laughable. And Dean knows he's going to do whatever he has to in order to get to know this equally hot, nerdy twin better. He's so excited to get home and call Charlie to tell her Jimmy isn't a douchebag. He doesn't even bother switching out his vegetables for new ones, even though he knows they're all going to be bruised. Instead, he hightails it to the checkout and races home. He doesn't hear anything from either Jimmy or Castiel that night. He checks his phone often enough that he feels like an idiot, but he still can't stop unlocking his phone and checking again and again. He meanders over to the window a couple of times, but though he sees the little orange kitten sprawled out in a patch of sunlight, there's no sign of Castiel. Tuesday morning, he's anxious as hell to go to Cup of Life, and honestly still more than a little embarrassed. Thinking a straight dude was hitting on him isn't exactly something new, but actually thinking he went on a few dates with one is a first for him, and an experience he hopes he never repeats. His embarrassment had only grown throughout the evening when he kept thinking back over the conversations he and Jimmy had. When they had lunch, Jimmy had implied that they were friends twice that he can remember. And he also said something about perks of being friends with the owner, not dating the owner. They had spoken a few times about gay-friendly stuff, but Jimmy never said he was gay. He just spoke like he knew people who were. The times he thought Jimmy was flirting with him must have actually been just friendly teasing, the same way he teases Charlie. And Dean was just seeing it the way he had wanted to see it. Jimmy didn't buy his lunch because they were on a date, he bought his lunch because he gets a good deal on the food, like he said. And Dean's a moron. Which is exactly how he feels waiting in the lineup at Cup of Life. And it only increases when Jimmy lays eyes on him and jerks his head to indicate Dean should join him on the counterside. Dean fidgets with the paper lunch bag in his fingers and deliberately doesn't make eye contact until he's close enough that he can't possibly avoid it. Hey, Winchester, Jimmy says with a knowing smile. You're really still going to call me that? Dean asks. Pretty sure, yeah, Jimmy says. His teasing grin quickly sobers into something more serious, and Dean knows they're about to have the conversation he's been dreading. So I talked to my brother last night, and it sounded like I owe you an apology. What? No, Dean says quickly. It wasn't you, man. It was me. I was an idiot. Still... What Castiel told me had me rethinking all of our interactions from your point of view, and I totally get why you might have gotten the wrong idea. Plus, it was pretty obvious to me that you were flirting with me, but I never said anything because I thought you just flirt with everybody. I really don't, Dean assures him, painfully embarrassed. Although you didn't waste any time trying to pick up my brother. Jimmy says, his tone of voice suddenly serious. Dean counters it with an attempt at a joke. I guess I have a type, what can I say? Jimmy grins instantly, and Dean can tell now he's just fucking with him. Seriously, though, how weird is that for you? That you think I'm hot, but I'm straight, so now you want to date my gay brother instead? Jimmy asks, lips quirking. 
Not as weird as the time one of my ex-girlfriends asked if she could fuck both me and Castiel at the same time. Dean makes a face of disgust. They're brothers, for God's sake. And Jimmy continues. I guess it's a little weird, but honestly, after that conversation we had about how nerdy you are, I was already wondering if it would be too twisted to try to set the two of you up. Really? Dean asks. Yeah, really. All that Harry Potter and Star Wars stuff is right up his alley. Still can't promise you he's going to give a shit about your car. But at least he can come in sufficiently warned so he doesn't make you cry like I almost did. Oh, fuck you, Dean says lightly, making Jimmy tip his head back with laughter. So now the real Dean comes out, huh? You're one to talk. How do you have a twin and not lead with that? Dean asks. Jimmy sobers up somewhat. No, you're right, I should have told you. I just hate answering the same five questions over and over every time I have to tell somebody new. He produces a box from under the counter and says, Listen, if I tell you I saved you another turnover, can we put all the weird shit behind us, or are you just going to think I'm flirting with you again? Dean rolls his eyes dramatically. You're not going to let that go anytime soon, are you? <laughs> nope, not a chance, Jimmy says happily. I guess I'll forgive you if you tell me you gave Cass my number. Jimmy gives him an assessing look. I know you have to get to work, but you're not going to break his heart, are you? He's... God, he's painfully shy at first, and he'd kill me if he knew I was telling you this. But you're the first person he's been interested in enough to attempt to pursue in years, as far as I know. He feels hope and excitement work its way through him and tries not to show just how pleased he is to hear Castiel's interested in pursuing him. You're the older brother, aren't you? How could you tell? Jimmy asked dryly. I'm not going to hurt him on purpose. I only talked to him for less than five minutes, so I can't promise you we're going to hit it off, but I can promise you I'm not going to be a dick about it if we don't. Good, especially after you told me about the pube and coffee thing, Jimmy says, handing him his cup with Winchester written on it. Dean lets out a soft huff of laughter. Guess I'd have to find a new coffee place. Damn right you would. One more thing before you go. I'm assuming that because you asked if I gave Castiel your number, he didn't call? Oh, he hadn't thought of that, and he can feel his shoulders deflate as the reality hits him. Maybe Castiel isn't that into him. No, he didn't. Don't worry about that. Painfully shy, remember? I'll send you his number. If you don't hear from him by the time you're done with your shift at the bank, take the lead. Dean nods his head in understanding. Thanks, man. And thanks for being cool about this. I know it's kind of weird. Weird makes things interesting. He responds. Now give me your five bucks, and I'm keeping the change. Dean chuckles and hands it over, and he walks out of the building feeling much better than he did walking into it. Maybe Charlie was right when she said he might be able to make friends with Novak even if he never felt that spark between them. The spark he felt with Castiel. He checks his phone at lunch, but other than chatty messages from Joe and Charlie and a picture of Sam's current assignment outline, there's nothing from Castiel. He checks again on his afternoon break, but still nothing. He spends the afternoon planning out what he's going to say when he texts Castiel once he gets his number from Jimmy. But it turns out he doesn't have to worry about that, because when he checks his phone after work, there's a message waiting for him. 
Hello, Dean. This is Jimmy's brother, Castiel. How are you? Dean's already grinning like an idiot. Castiel is texting super formally with perfect punctuation and everything. He can almost see the dude sitting in his apartment with his too straight posture, frowning at his phone as he tries to pick the right words. A really big part of Dean, the part that's an asshole, wants to fuck with him and pretend he doesn't know who he is just to see how he'd react. But that's probably not the best course of action to take to win over somebody you want to date. Hey, Castiel. I was hoping I would hear from you today. I'm pleased to hear that. I would have spoken with you earlier, but I was out quite late with Jimmy, and I didn't want to wake you either last night or this morning. That's okay. I'm glad you texted now. Where their messages had been going back and forth quickly, there's a pause lengthy enough now that he has time to walk the rest of the way home and change out of his work clothes. He walks over to the window and sees Castiel sitting on the couch with his phone in his hands. Figuring he must be busy talking to somebody else, he walks into the kitchen. He's standing in front of the open refrigerator, trying to decide what he's going to make himself for dinner when his phone goes off again. He doesn't dive on it, but it's pretty close. To be completely honest, I'm not entirely sure what I'm meant to say now. Dean snorts as he shakes his head. Was he sitting there the whole time looking at his phone trying to come up with something to type? That is some adorable shit right there. He figures he should do what he can to make him feel better. Hey, that's okay. It's always a little awkward at first. I'd still like the chance to get to know you better if you're open to it. Maybe face-to-face -face would be better than texting? I would like that. Awesome. Since I'm getting the feeling you're pretty shy, how about something really laid back? That sounds wonderful. Okay, maybe we could just grab an ice cream? I like ice cream. We're off to a good start, then. When are you free? I'm not doing anything tonight. Dean's eyebrows shoot up. Maybe Castiel is a little shy, but he's also pretty forward. He doesn't even know if he's ever been asked out for the same day before. There's usually all that wait a couple of days so you don't look too anxious crap. But forget that bullshit. He is anxious to get to know Castiel better, so he goes for it. Not what I was expecting, but I'm not doing anything tonight either. DQ on Lakeshore at 7? I'll meet you there. But Dean, what do people generally wear on an ice cream date? Dean grins at seeing Castiel say this is a date. There's no misinterpreting this with the nerdy twin. You should wear whatever you're comfortable in. I'm wearing jeans and a t-shirt. Nothing fancy. I'll see you there then. Now knowing that he's not going to need a big dinner, considering he's going to do his best to eat his body weight in ice cream, he makes himself a couple of grilled cheese sandwiches and plunks his ass in front of the couch. Because he told Castiel he was going to be casual, he doesn't change out of his old pair of jeans or his ACDC tee, though he does waffle over the shirt. It's a few years old, and it's stretched out a bit and makes him look smaller than he is. He settles on adding a touch of cologne and hopes Castiel doesn't mind his shabbier-than-usual appearance. After taking comfort in the drive and the familiar rumble of his baby's motor, he pulls the Impala into the Dairy Queen parking lot. He doesn't have to wonder if Castiel is planning on meeting him inside or outside, because he can see him waiting right outside the door. He's wearing skinny jeans, 
Converse sneakers, and the black t-shirt he saw him in a while ago with the dinosaur on it. He can tell from here his hair's crazy again, and he's totally into it. He already has a smile on his face when he gets out of his car and crosses the parking lot towards Castiel. Hey, Castiel, he greets him. Hello, Dean. He looks down to read Castiel's T-Rex t-shirt and lets out a snort of laughter. If you're happy and you know it, clap your... Oh. I like your shirt, Dean tells him. There's a ghost of a smile on Castiel's face before he ducks his head. It's silly, most of my shirts are. Well, I think it's funny, so that works for me. Wanna go grab some ice cream? Yes, please. Dean's facing the door, so he pulls it open for him, and they get into the back of the short line. What's your Dairy Queen go-to? Dean asks. Um, just a cone, usually. Dean lifts his eyebrows in surprise. Really? All those options and you go with a cone? Yes, Castiel replies. His eyes dart away as his face heats up, but he opens and closes his mouth a few times before he adds... Though I like them coated in chocolate. Now we're talking, Dean grins. What, um, what do you usually get? Castiel asks, his cheeks still a faint pink color. Dean gets the impression small talk is incredibly difficult for him and decides to do as much yapping as he can to make it easier for him. I'm a man of many tastes. Don't really like to commit, you know. A look of disappointment flashes across Castiel's face and Dean corrects himself. Two ice cream, he clarifies, letting his hand rest on the small of his back. Castiel nods and Dean exhales shallowly. I usually go with a blizzard, but I change up the flavor. Any thoughts on what you're going to get tonight? That seemed to come out easier, and he smiles at him encouragingly. I was thinking Oreo, but I probably wouldn't make a great first impression with black cookie stuck between my teeth. Dean quips, so maybe I'll go with M&M. I've never tried a blizzard, Castiel comments. Wait, what? Really? Castiel nods. Okay, well, you're totally trying a bite of mine then. You don't know what you're missing. M&M is a classic. Your blizzard matches your car then, Castiel says. Dean's smile grows as he wonders if Jimmy prompted him to mention the Impala. You know something about cars, Cass? Castiel's lips turn up into a small smile and he nods. Not a whole lot, but something, yes. Is it a 69 Impala? Nah, 67, but they look a lot alike. I'm impressed. Can I help us next? The kid behind the counter calls out. With his hand on Castiel's lower back, he guides him forward so they both go up together. I'll have a regular M&M blizzard, please, and a dipped cone for Cass. What size? The kid asks Castiel. Um, medium, please. The cashier gives them their total and Dean pulls out his wallet. No, separate. Two separate orders, Castiel insists. It's okay, I got it. I asked you out after all, Dean says, holding out his debit card. He pays, and the kid tells him, You can pick up your order at the end of the counter. Thanks, Dean replies. Thank you for buying my ice cream, Dean. Castiel says. Thanks for coming out with me. I wasn't expecting I'd get to see you again so soon. Castiel looks at his shoes. I texted Jimmy after you and I made plans to come out tonight, and he told me I shouldn't have seemed so eager to see you. 
that it would make me look needy. I'll make sure to tell Jimmy to screw off tomorrow, Dean tells him jokingly. I like that you wanted to see me, because I wanted to see you too. Here you go, another kid says, passing them their ice cream. Thank you. Want to go sit at a table outside, Dean asks. Sure. They walk outside and sit across from each other at a picnic table and dig into their ice cream. Castiel breaks the silence with, Why did you want to get to know me better? Dean swallows a bite of his ice cream. Why not? People usually don't. I'm too quiet and awkward. Quiet ain't always a bad thing, and you don't seem that awkward. Did Jimmy tell you about the first time he and I met? Only that you met at the coffee shop, Castiel says. Probably one of the most embarrassing moments of my life, Dean reveals. I, uh, thought he was ridiculously hot, and when he said good morning, I couldn't even get a word out. I just stood there staring at him before I started stuttering like an idiot. It was like his face short-circuited my brain or something, and I could barely make enough words to order myself a coffee. He chuckles. Castiel's small smile falls, and he looks away to clear his throat before he replies. You don't seem like the kind of guy who reacts like that to people. You're only getting that impression because imaginary dating your brother helped me get used to how hot you are. He jokes. Castiel seems to fold in on himself. He looks everywhere but at him, and it leaves Dean feeling like he's scrambling. He'd hoped that by complimenting him, he might help him relax a little but his jokes and flattery aren't landing in the way he thought they would, and he doesn't get why. Hey, Cass, I know this is just a first date, and it's not going to be super comfortable, but your body language is making me feel like I'm screwing it up already, and I don't really know what I'm doing wrong here. Castiel finally looks up to meet his eyes. It's clear he's assessing him in some way, but Dean doesn't know what to do to tip the odds in his favor. I don't know what to say. You're talking about Jimmy and saying how attractive he is, but I also get the impression you think you're complimenting me. You're identical, Dean says, confused. When I say I thought Jimmy was hot the first time I saw him, it's the same as telling you I think you're hot, isn't it? Indirectly, maybe, but... There's another pause when Castiel stops to lick a stray drop of vanilla ice cream. Honestly, a part of me feels like I'm just listening to you compliment another person and it's not a great feeling to have on a date. Shit, Dean says quickly. That's not what I was going for at all. No wonder you looked unhappy. I'm sorry, okay? Let me make it really clear, okay? At the risk of coming on too strong, I think you're really hot. I definitely have a thing for the way you dress and the wild hair you've got going on. The hand, not filled with his cone, runs through it absentmindedly. Jimmy says I look like I stuck my finger in an electrical outlet. Castiel mumbles with a small smile. Jimmy also said my car was nice because it's shiny, and he didn't even mean it. I think it's pretty well established at this point that his opinions are shit. Dean teases, trying to get things back on track. Castiel snorts with laughter. You seem like a nice man, Dean, but this is still such a strange situation for me. Which part's still bugging you? Maybe we can fix it he says before taking a big bite of his blizzard. I don't want this to come out the wrong way, but I kind of feel like you're only interested in me because you couldn't have Jimmy, like I'm your second choice. I'm not going to lie to you, Cass. I thought Jimmy was good-looking right off the bat, 
and he was the first person I've been interested in dating since my last girlfriend cheated on me. He swallows the bite he was working on and keeps talking. And I like Jimmy, I do. I think he's funny and smart, and he's easy to shoot the shit with. But right from the beginning, it was pretty clear we didn't have anything in common. I wasn't even going to bother going out with him again after we had lunch that day, because even though he was easy on the eyes, I just didn't feel a spark between us. But my best friend convinced me to see him again by telling me that if all else failed, me and Novak could be friends. He pauses long enough to take another bite of ice cream, though it's not nearly as good as it was before this started feeling weird. That's how I felt when I left the gym, which I thought was our second date. I had fun and he was cool, and I'd probably go to the gym with him again if he still wanted to, but I didn't like him like that, you know? Castiel nods, and it might only be in Dean's head, but it looks like to him that he's relaxed a little bit now. Then I bumped into you at the grocery store, got one look at your hair and your Star Wars shirt, found out there was a nerdier version of the hot guy I didn't have anything in common with, and I couldn't believe my luck. You like Star Wars? Castiel asks. Like's definitely not a strong enough word, he says with a grin. Already knowing that Cass has a thing for dressing up, he admits to his nerdy side quickly. I have a licensed Han Solo costume that I wear every Halloween. And sometimes around the house, because why the hell not? I have a Luke Skywalker one, Castiel admits, a grin tugging at the corners of his lips. No shit? Castiel ducks his head again, but nods. Dean waits for him to look up again before he slowly rakes his eyes over his face and down his torso. I'd really like to see that sometime. Castiel's tongue darts out to lick his bottom lip and responds, I'd like that. Yeah? Dean asks, pleased by the direction this seems to be going in now. Castiel nods again. Good. So listen, I know you're a little shy, but I really would like to get to know you better. Can you tell me a bit about yourself? I hate that question, Castiel says with a small smile. I never know what to say. What are you interested in hearing about? You, Dean answers simply. Let's start with your job. What do you do? I'm a comics artist, Castiel answers. Like comic books? Yes, and logos, commercials, Anything I can create art for in that genre that will keep the bills paid. Oh, that's awesome, Dean gushes, sufficiently impressed. Think I've seen anything you've drawn? Everything a cup of life, Castiel says. The menu board, the menus, the logo on the napkins, the picture on the cup. Dean nods, thinking over all the things he's mentioned. Um, also the Mr. Clean Super Bowl commercial? With the dancing? You did that? Dean asks. I did the storyboard. That's so cool. I literally only watch the Super Bowl for the commercials. That makes two of us. But I'm afraid I need to warn you that the commercial may be the only cool thing about me, Castiel says. No way. You have a Porg shirt and a T-Rex tiny arm joke shirt. You're cool as hell, Dean argues. I really don't think that's true, but thank you anyway. What is it that you do? Dean's exceptionally pleased with how easy the conversation seems to be flowing now. Nothing as glamorous as you. I'm a bank teller. I like it a lot, but it ain't exactly exciting. I don't think that matters as long as you're happy doing what you do. Castiel offers. Um, 
He drops his eyes down to the table again before he seems to find the words he's searching for. You mentioned earlier that you have an ex-girlfriend. Yeah, we were together for almost a year before it all went down in flames, Dean tells him, but that was six months ago. If it's not too personal to ask, how do you identify sexually? Oh, he says, just now realizing what he meant by asking about his ex-girlfriend. I'm bi. You? Gay, Castiel answers. Lucky me, Dean says, eliciting another smile from him. My turn to ask you something, he says, thinking as he leans across the picnic table. Okay, so you thought it was kind of weird that I thought I was dating Jimmy and wanting to get to know you. But you were still interested enough to text me to see if I wanted to go out? Yes, Castiel says simply. Dean smiles and raises his eyebrows in question. Want to elaborate? I, I suppose you could say I have a type, Castiel says shyly. Hmm, Dean says thinking aloud. That's vague. So what is it about me? The tall thing? <laughs> no, Castiel says with a chuckle, though I don't mind that. Pretty face, he teases. Castiel swallows and nods. Something like that, yes. Oh, you think I'm pretty, Cass? He grins, batting his eyelashes playfully. Yes, Castiel says again. I think you're incredibly beautiful. Beautiful? His face immediately flushes with color. He doesn't know if anybody's ever called him that. Not that he minds. It's kind of nice, actually, even if it's a bit feminine. Then something clicks. He made a joke to Jimmy about not wanting to look like a twink, and Jimmy said something about, I've heard some people are into that kind of thing. At the time, he thought Jimmy was flirting with him, but knowing that he's straight now, was he maybe talking about Cass and his type? You like that I'm smaller than you, Dean tries. Even from across the table, he can see the way Castiel's breath catches, and he snaps his fingers when he gets the confirmation he needed. Bingo. Technically, you're taller than I am, Castiel says. Who are you trying to convince here, Cass, me or you? You, Castiel says, smiling shyly. Dean chuckles. Save your breath. I'm definitely into you being stronger than I am. It's one of the best things about being with a guy as far as I'm concerned. Um, Castiel says, dragging a hand through his hair. We seem to have veered away from appropriate first date talk. Stop flirting with me so hard, then, Dean teases. I'm afraid I can't resist, Castiel says back, causing Dean's smile to spread. He's having fun now that Cass has loosened up some. When's the last time you're on a date? Honestly, it's been years. I find that hard to believe. Hot guy like you? Dean asks. Dean. Castiel chastises him lightly, making Dean laugh in response. Honestly, I don't meet a lot of people considering I work from home. And as you said, I'm quite shy. Well, I guess I gotta keep thinking my lucky stars I literally bumped into you then. Though Jimmy told me this morning he was thinking about setting us up anyway, he tells Cass. He mentioned that to me as well. He told me you were a self-proclaimed nerd. And that it made him think of me. Dean nods and licks off his spoon. Total nerd and proud of it. And yet you're wearing a t-shirt of a rock band, Castiel comments. 
I can be both, promise, Dean says. You like ACDC? Castiel shrugs. I'm not a super fan or anything, but they have decent music. Rock in general is usually good. Dean's inner excitement mounts. Listen, I'm going to ask you something, and if you don't know the answer, you need to come up with a suitable distraction so I can at least attempt to hide my disappointment, okay? I'm on the edge of my seat, Castiel says dryly. Do you know who Jimmy Page is? From Led Zeppelin. Everybody knows who Jimmy Page is, Castiel says easily. Dean presses both hands to his heart and sighs happily. That's it. I think this is love, Cass. Castiel blushes but laughs it off. If only it was that easy. No matter what anybody else ever says, you have my definitive word that you are in fact the cooler twin. Well, if you said it, it must be true, Castiel says sarcastically. Dean kind of likes the sassy side of him that's keeping up with his banter. It is true. Your brother didn't know who Paige or Plant were, Dean tells him. Castiel makes a face of disbelief. Well, then I win by default. That's what I'm saying, he says happily. Then he's distracted when Cass starts chomping down on his cone. I'm totally impressed you managed to eat all that chocolate without getting it all over your face, by the way. Castiel chews and swallows his bite before he says, I'm a man of many talents. Dean grins. I believe it. And listen, I don't know what you were talking about earlier about being quiet and awkward. It's been way easier to talk to you than it usually is on a first date. You're easy to talk to. Does that mean I'm going to get a second date? Dean asks hopefully. Castiel smiles. If neither of us screw it up before you finish your ice cream, then yes. Pressure's on, Dean jokes as he digs in. Tell me more about your love for Jimmy Page and Robert Plant, Castiel prompts. And that's all Dean needs to launch into tales of his favorite band and countless memories from his childhood that are interwoven with Zeppelin in his mind. For Castiel's part, he listens attentively, cracks an occasional dry joke, and offers insight into some of his favorite songs that has Dean mesmerized by his mind. Even after they've both finished their ice cream, the conversation keeps flowing easily and they end up staying and talking until the outside lights flick on. Their feet are tangled under the table, and somehow their hands have strayed towards each other in the center of the table, though neither of them makes the final step towards actually holding hands. It's almost nine o'clock when Castiel says, I'm having a really good time but I have to get going soon. Yeah, Dean agrees. I haven't made my lunch for tomorrow yet. Didn't think we'd be out for so long just getting ice cream. I didn't mean to keep you, Castiel says quickly. Nah, come on. You gotta know I'm having a great time too, Dean says softly. Castiel ducks his head a little but nods. I'll walk you to your car. What a gentleman, Dean says with a small wink. This time, when they both get to their feet, Cass seems to have a boost of confidence and presses his palm against Dean's. Dean can't suppress a soft smile as their fingers twine together for the first time and happiness explodes inside of him. If he suddenly slows his pace by half just to feel it a little bit longer, Cass either doesn't notice or doesn't say anything. Then they're standing in front of the driver's side of the car and Cass lets out a low whistle. Your car really is gorgeous, he tells Dean. Now you're just trying to get into my pants, Dean jokes. 
Castiel's face turns an adorable shade of pink, but he grins and asks, Is that the best way? I don't think you're going to need help in that department. Castiel keeps grinning and Dean asks, Where's your car? I walked. That's why I thought I'd better get going before it's completely dark. I can drive you home, man. Get in, Dean offers. You don't even know where I live, Castiel says lightly, but he walks around the car anyway and gets into the passenger seat, which works out well for Dean, because it gives him a second to hide the sheer panic from almost fucking up. Where to? Dean says, getting in behind the wheel. Of course he already knows, so when Castiel tells him his address, he pretends like this is news to him. No way. My building's right beside there. We're practically neighbors. That explains why you stop in at Cup of Life every morning, Castiel comments. I can't believe how well-maintained the interior of your car is, he says next, and grateful for the abrupt change of subject, he tells Cass the story of how he had the interior refinished a couple of years ago. At Castiel's insistence, he parks in his own parking lot so Cass can just walk the rest of the way himself. I feel like a bad date not making sure you get home, okay? Dean says as they get out. Only one of us can do that, and to be honest with you, I'd much prefer that I'm able to take care of you, Castiel says, walking around to his side of the car. And maybe it's all in his head, but he's pretty sure he hears the double meaning in there. Then Castiel's eyes drop to look at Dean's lips and he takes a step closer, and there's no misreading that. May I walk you to your door, Dean? So much for shy. Cass is looking at him like he wants to eat him alive, and Dean can feel his body reacting to it already. His heart's racing, desire churning in his stomach, and he has to fight back a shudder at the way his name sounds in that deep voice of his. I, um, have a feeling that I'm not going to be able to hold off on asking you to come inside if you follow me up. Dean admits, wetting his lips just thinking about it. And I have a feeling I'm not going to be able to say no to you. Castiel says, stepping so close to Dean that he instinctively steps back and finds himself pressed up against the door of the car. Then Cass's hands are on his hips, burning through his clothes, and he can just hear a soft sound of approval from him. You're far too beautiful. Cass... Dean says on a sigh as butterflies take flight in his stomach. The way Cass's thumbs are caressing his hips makes him feel... fragile, almost. And it's something he hasn't felt in a really long time. I like how you call me that, Castiel says, smiling genuinely and transforming his entire expression from predatory to soft and adorable. God, he's unbelievably cute and mind-meltingly hot at the same time. Dean drops his gaze to try to process the change in the air between them, but his heart turns to mush when he feels Castiel's thumb and forefinger tip his chin up. He has a couple of inches on him, but because of the way he's leaning back against the car, Cass is looking down at him. He has a split second to lick his lips in anticipation while Castiel searches his eyes for permission, and then Cass leans down and presses his lips to Dean's. It's soft at first, and still, it's enough to take his breath away. Castiel's lips are full and supple, and Dean can't help the way he goes pliant beneath them. Castiel's fingers tighten on his hips, but his lips remain gentle, and when he hears a soft whimper from Cass, he opens his mouth in invitation. 
Castiel deepens the kiss, but keeps his tongue to himself, their lips still clinging tenderly together and making him feel like everything inside of him is melting from a slow, torturous burn. Castiel's fingers on his chin slide along his jaw until he's cupping his face, causing Dean to lean into his touch, silently begging for more. And that's when Cass starts to back away, kissing him once more chastely before he withdraws entirely. He rubs his thumb gently along Dean's spit-slick bottom lip while his eyes, darker than Dean's ever seen them, bore down into his. I'll beg for a second date if I have to, Castiel says, his voice lower than it was earlier. That is not how I thought that sentence was going to end. Dean says breathlessly, surprising even himself with how well his brain seems to be functioning, even though he feels like he's floating. I believe you could have me begging for any number of things much easier than you know, Dean. Castiel says, finally dropping his hand from his face. I had a very good time tonight. That makes two of us, Dean says honestly. Would you like to have lunch one day this week? We could meet a cup of life if that wouldn't be too reminiscent of your not-date-with-my-brother. No, nah, it'll be good. Cleanse the slate and all that. I'd like that a lot, Cass. Can I text you? Literally any time, Dean says. Castiel leans down to kiss him once more quickly before he takes a step back and says, Good night, Dean. Night, Cass, Dean replies, finally able to find his feet now that he isn't overwhelmed by Castiel's presence. He stands there and watches him as he walks away, completely unembarrassed even when Cass looks back over his shoulder and sees him watching. Dean goes into complete douche mode and gives him finger guns and grins to himself when he hears Castiel's low chuckle follow him around the corner. What a freaking day. Since always fleeting like a flame, but I'm never one.
Thank you so much for your support. I can be contacted on Twitter, Tumblr, or at makingitupaswegopod at gmail.com. If you are able, please go to the author's AO3 story and give comments and kudos to them for sharing this with us. The link is in the show notes. This will also be posted on AO3 as a podfic under my username, and the link will be in the show notes as well. As always, thank you so much for listening.